Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. On, on Friday, I got up. It was just an average day. It was a very normal day. Nothing special about it. And I got into my car and I began to drive to work. And as I drove to work, uh, I, there's a level crossing in the suburb where I live. And as I uh, drove down, there was no cars, which is amazing. And there was no trains, and I just cruised right on through. And I thought, gee, I'm off to a good start. And I kept on driving. I got to a roundabout. Didn't have to wait for any cars at the roundabout. In fact, this is a true story. This is incredible. I kept driving all the way to work, and it was if the planets had aligned and the Lord had moved every car off the road just for me. As I was driving down the road, I must have made it through at least two amber arrows, but I did not break the law. And I kept driving and I cruised all the way. It didn't seem to matter. Every light was green. And even at the really busy intersections, it was just like everything had cleared. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for moving those cups. Uh, it was if all the all the uh, cars had, had had cleared off the road, and I got all the way uh, into work, and pretty much didn't have to stop. I don't even think I stopped for one traffic. And I was reflecting back on my journey to work, and seriously, like as I'm saying this to you, I don't know if you've had an experience like that, but it just seems to set your day up really well. In fact, I was so happy about it. I nearly Instagrammed it, but I knew that no one would care. No one would care but me. That's, there's no likes on that uh, post right there. But, it, but, but to me, I thought, this is awesome. I, and have you ever had a day like that where you've just hit every green light and it just, you know, sets you up right? And the thing that you love about it the most, do you know, I mean, you, you probably, it seems kind of obvious, I, I know that, but the thing that you loved about it the most was that you didn't have to wait. That's all it was. You didn't have to wait. And that's the sense of the feeling that you get when you don't wait. It's like joy, excitement, you know. I tell you one of the words that I love. This is one of my favorite words, instant. I love the word instant, except if it's with coffee and then it's a sin. But apart from that, (laughs) hey, did you know that our... Coffee shop just over here. Hey, Mikey, you got rated number four on Bean Hunter in the last couple of weeks. Number four in Melbourne. Number four in Melbourne. So admittedly, I'm spoiled. So I like instant. I don't like instant coffee. But uh, come on, let's be honest, right? Is there anyone that really loves to wait? Does everybody just hate waiting? Now, this is exactly what I expected. So many of you were liars in this room today. No one wanted to put their hand up because you thought, I don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm impatient, right? But I thought what I could do this morning, let, let me paint you a scenario. It's a very real scenario. And then you can just be honest with me. You're in the car and you're on your way to work. And the traffic is crazy. And so you're sitting in there and you're sitting next to a lane that's just moving. Yeah. And then you think, why am I waiting when I could be moving? So you put your indicator on and then you merge into the next lane. And the moment that you do, you just see red lights. Now, the lane 
you were in. It starts to move. And now you're watching all the cars begin to go where you wanted to go and you made the decision at the last minute to change lanes and now you're stuck again and if you had just stayed where you were, you would have been moving, but you're not. I cannot be the only person that finds that frustrating. Who doesn't like, who doesn't enjoy that? All right, now, see, so you're honest. You know why? Because we don't like to wait. Sometimes it can be really frustrating. Let me, let me tell you something that can be really difficult to watch, something really difficult to process. Is when you're waiting and you're watching people get blessed and move forwards in an area that you're presently wanting breakthrough in. And you have to wait and you can't move forwards and you can't get breakthrough, but you're watching other people succeed in the same space that you've been crying out to God for a long time. And this world is filled with people that, and, and Christian people that struggle when they watch that process begin to unfold. And today it's Mother's Day. And I want to celebrate Mother's Day, and it is a joyous day, and, and it's a day where we should be excited, you know, and, and celebrate everything that our mums have done. But there is a, there is a group of people yeah. that are waiting, yeah. and they're watching other people walk in an area of blessing and move forwards in life. In the same place that they want breakthrough, they watch it. And Mother's Day can sometimes be a reminder for that. Did you know that in Australia, one in six couples struggle to fall pregnant? And in a room this size, that means statistically speaking, there's probably about 20 to 30 people here in this room today that have either had to walk that journey or are presently facing that right now. And it can be a really difficult thing to watch other people move forwards in an area that you're crying out to God for breakthrough in. And I wanted to tell you a story today about a woman in the Bible who went through this very process, what she did. And I want to talk to you about what God did. And I want to tell you the names of these people, just so you know, uh, everybody that's in the story, there is a man and his name is Elkanah. And so Elkanah, he uh, is married. Uh, he has two wives. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Yeah, that was a test. It was a test. The smart husbands looked at their wife first. No, that's not a blessing. How oh, there's no more room in my... Anyway, so... He had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah, and these, these two women that he was uh, married to, uh, they, they had been living together for a period of time, and I want to read to you this story that comes out of 1 Samuel. It says, now this man, and the man is Elkanah, and Elkanah, uh, it says that he used to go up uh, year by year from his city to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her 
though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. God has eternity, but we don't. He seems to be so patient with our lives. What do you get as a gift for the, for the God who has everything? In all honesty, sometimes I just get him a watch. <laughs> Digital. With preset alarms that would let him know when he missed my appointment. That would let him know when he should have answered my prayer. He's so patient with our lives. He has eternity, but we don't. Have you heard this phrase that delay is not denial? Yeah, 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 yeah. Guess what? When everything's in delay, it just feels like denial. And in fact, try this on. It's not till you get breakthrough that you look back and realize it was only delay. Because until you get breakthrough, it might as well be denial. There's nothing to indicate that it's only delay. Does that make sense? You understand? So it's not until you look back that you realize that actually it was just delay and it wasn't in fact denial. And I wonder how many people are waiting on promises from God and things that they want to see happen in their life at the beginning of this year. We got uh, people who were uh, with us at the time to fill in a whole heap of cards about where they wanted to cross over this year into the promises of God. And so they would write down their promises and they wrote them on these cards. And here's what we committed to do as a church. We said, well, we're going to pray for these. And by the way, if they get answered, please let us know. We keep praying for them. And it would be great to have some testimonies. And we kept praying for these uh, over these cards that were in here so that people could get breakthrough in their life because so many people are waiting for God to come through on something. And while you're waiting, I can tell you this, it can be painful. Waiting can just be painful. In the story that we are reading today, Hannah is actually Elkanah's first wife. And in the passage that precedes the one that we just saw, it mentions her name first in the text, so we know that she was his first wife. And can you imagine the scenario as it's been played out? She wants to get, have children. Having children in the culture was a sign of God's blessing, and so she wants to have children, but she can't. And then she watches her husband marry another woman and now she falls pregnant. She has sons and daughters and now she has to wait while she's watching somebody else get blessed in an area that she needs breakthrough in her life. To make matters worse, Peninnah is not helping the situation because she just kind of rubs it in her face and makes it things difficult for her. And every year, the family would take a holiday up to Shiloh. And when they would go to try it's a family get-together, a family vacation. And, and they would sacrifice and worship the Lord. And, and so she would be sitting there around the table. And, and her husband, God bless him, you know, he sees that she's struggling in this situation. But she's still sitting at the table, surrounded by this family and, and sons and daughters that don't belong to her. And it's almost as if Shiloh year by year is a constant reminder to her that she still has not received breakthrough in an area that she's always been asking God for. 
And why? Because the Bible simply says the Lord had closed her womb. Why? Why did he do that? Joe read several commentaries on this passage to see if anybody would answer that question. No one did. Why did he do that? Why does God do anything? See, the thing is, is that this little excerpt fits into a much bigger and broad story that is unfolding. And Hannah doesn't get that. She doesn't understand that. She just has to live in present reality. And I think that so often in our lives, there are things that are going on that are so much bigger than us. But when it comes to the motivation of God, can we please settle it? That God is never against you. That whenever he does something, it's for you. I know you're trapped in the land where you don't understand the process to fruitfulness. I know it doesn't make sense. You're still trying to figure it out. But at that point, in that, in that place, that's when you don't need to turn around and start thinking that God's doing something or, or coming against you in some way. In fact, if you were to read the Bible and you look in the, um, the Gospels, in the very beginning of the book of Luke, there's a story about a woman named Elizabeth. And she ends up becoming John the Baptist's uh, uh, mother. But Elizabeth and Zachariah, they want to have a baby. And the text is so clear. It says that she was, she was a good woman. He was a good man. That they were blameless and righteous in all their ways. The Bible says of these people in the Old Testament that they were blameless and righteous in all their ways. These are really good people. And then the Bible says that she was childless because she was barren. And I know it seems like a self-supporting statement. That makes sense, doesn't it? But I want you to hear it another way. She was childless simply because she was barren. In other words, it was not because God was punishing her. It was not because of some sin in her life. It was not God's way at getting even with her because of stuff that she'd done in her past. And so he decides to punish her in her present by bringing around this situation to say, see, this is what happens when you do the wrong thing. The Bible doesn't say that at all. It says she was just childless simply because she was barren. That's it. You know, sometimes church people, they want to try to find your secret sin to find out where you went wrong so they can explain it because they need hope themselves. They don't understand why God does stuff. So we have to look for reasons, don't we, to explain to ourselves how it makes sense that God would leave somebody in a situation where they're just barren. But the Bible's so clear. She was good. She was righteous. So was he. But they were just barren because, well, they were just barren. And then later on, she says, oh, I thank the Lord after she fell pregnant because she said, he's taken away my reproach. And that means to say her shame because in Jewish culture, they had the same culture then that sometimes some people have now. 
In fact, what they believed is, is that if you couldn't have children, it was because there was a secret sin that God was punishing you publicly for so that you would have to divulge it and come and, and, and tell everybody what was going on in your life. Now, some people still think that that's the way that God works, but that's not what my gospel says. That's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ says. No, no, no. The gospel of Jesus Christ says this. You don't have to worry about God punishing you in your prison for the things that you've been forgiven of in your past. Because what Jesus did on the cross, he took the punishment, he took the guilt, he took the shame, and it was all settled at Calvary. So when you come across a situation and you don't understand what God's doing in it, the last thing you ever need to do is wonder if God's presently punishing you for your past because it's done, it's settled, Jesus settled that. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it because that's what the gospel message is all about. And I think oftentimes what we need to do is wrap our heads around this is that waiting isn't punishment. I know it feels like that, but waiting isn't punishment. It's often preparation. So you need to know God's doing things you don't see. Because you don't see, you don't know. But God's doing things that you don't see. There is a process attached to fruitfulness. Everyone say that with me. Say, there is a process to fruitfulness. All right, you're all over the place. Let's try it again, all right? There is a process to fruitfulness. There is a process to fruitfulness. And waiting is often the first step in the process to fruitfulness. I'll say that again, just in case you missed that. Waiting is often the first step in the process to fruitfulness. Don't wait to understand tomorrow before you move forwards today. Because that'll end up being a trap for you in your life. What we need with God is trust. What's another word we could use for trust? How about faith? Faith is the assurance of things that we don't yet see. It's the evidence of things that are unseen, yes? So what we need is trust in his character that he's going to bridge the gap between our circumstances and our future. Yeah? But what we say is we need more information. Not trust. Not faith, just tell me how it's all going to work out. I want to know every valley we're going to face. I want to know the route we're going to take. I want to know about the wilderness seasons that I'll face. And when it's all mapped out and I know everything that's going to happen, maybe I can start to move forwards, but that's not what God calls us to do. I remember years ago, you'll understand, this was many years ago, I was uh, at home as a little kid and uh, I was playing in the backyard and we had a, a, a washing line that used to swing out over this big drop and it was awesome until the day I got stuck. <laughs> I was just out there and I didn't know how to get down. So I did the only thing I knew what to do. I just called out to my dad for help. He was mowing the lawn. He didn't hear me for a little while, but eventually he came up and he came to me and he said, all right, now I want you to let go. 
and I'm going to catch you. Now, I didn't trust him. I said, no. He said, yeah, you've got to let go first and then I'll, 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 you know, I'll catch you. So I wanted the whole situation to be worked out. But in order to find out if it could happen, I needed to first let go. So I let go and he dropped me. Now, that is not true. He <laughs> caught me. Of course he caught me. What kind of man do you think my father is? Now, he, he caught me and he put me straight down. And there was a sense of relief that came over me the moment that he caught, caught me and, and, and he put me on the ground. But, you know, so often God is saying that to people. First of all, let go and just trust that I'm going to catch you. Trust that I'll take you where you need to go. Trust that the journey that I have for you is one that you should take. We want it all mapped out first. If you read the calling of a man named um, Abram, He's, God comes to him and he says to him, Abram, I want you to go to the land that I will show you and I'll bless you. And you almost skip over this part as you're reading the text because Abram says, okay, and he goes. Yeah, but God didn't say where. But he still went. How could he possibly know that he was going in the right direction. And I think Abram had stumbled onto something that we so often need in life. He just trusts that God was sovereign. He trusts that God was in charge of the universe. And that as he began to walk, if God needed to correct the journey, he would just go ahead and do it. And if you can put trust and faith in God's character, then you don't need everything to be mapped out before you begin to walk it out yourself. Listen to me. This is so important. Please hear this today. What you do while you wait sets up your future. What you do while you wait, it sets up your future. And the first step in any direction will begin with your, with your thoughts. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If you want to change the direction of your life, you need to change your thoughts. I wonder this morning what thoughts are preaching to you today. I wonder what fear is presently dominating your life. I wonder about the battle that you have constantly in your mind about, is God going to answer your prayers? Will he come through at the last minute? For some people, they're wondering, is God even listening to what I'm saying? And God has a strategy to deal with some of the thoughts that could come into your mind. Are you interested in that today? Good, because I prepared it anyway. (laughs) Isaiah 54 formed the theme for our year last year, and this is what God said through the prophet Isaiah. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more Then the children of her who is married, says the Lord, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. When you're in the middle of barrenness and you're on the process to fruitfulness... 
but you're on this side of the breakthrough where you haven't seen anything begin to shift in your life, sing. Sing. Sing in your despair. Sing in your frustration. Sing, O barren one. One who's barren is one that still doesn't have the answers, but when you're barren and you want to see stuff begin to shift in your life, start to sing. Start to get excited about what God can do. Start to make noise. There's, I, I really believe that, conv- that life and death is in the power of the tongue, so be careful what you confess. When you start to sing and you start to worship God, you would be interested to see what shifts in your life. I think it's a strategy. I think it looks like worship. And I'll tell you this about my own life. I have walked through seasons that have been tough for me. And I haven't always remembered this. I would love to say that I did it every time, but I didn't. The times I remember to sing and worship God in the middle of the problems that I faced were the moments when the weight would begin to lift off of my life. It began to shift for me. Nothing was necessarily different, but I felt different. And I put my trust and my faith back into God. Don't, don't get me wrong. He'll listen to your brokenness, but you got to know that God is a God who responds to faith. He responds to faith. Akana comes along later and he says to Hannah, am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? And I thought, that is nice. He gave her double portions of the meat. Am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? Come on, we can still have a good marriage. Come on, we can still make this work. Come on, Hannah, just, just be happy where you are. Stop pressing in. I thought, that's, well, that's nice, but don't settle when it's time to stand. You see, you need to hear reality, but you should be mindful about where that comes from. About who's counseling you. About who's giving you advice. Just settle. Don't press in for the promises of God. Just, you know, take your lump and that's the way that life is going to be. Just settle. I remember my son Isaac, um, years ago, he was so little. He's skinny anyway, but when he was two, he was really little. I said to him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be the Hulk. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to break it to him yet. So I said, great. great. You, hey, you've got to have goals in life, don't you? And so I didn't say anything to him because it was cute when he was two. But if he's 25, we're going to have another conversation. <laughs> See, just because God is going to bless you doesn't mean that you can go off the reservation and write your own checks. You still need it the promises of God to be grounded in the things that God wants for you and for your life. You still need to listen to Him and what He says. And if you want to get the promises of God grounded, can I, can I just tell you the, this morning that one of the best places you can look is actually the Word of God? Because if you start to read this, you're not writing your own checks. You've got the God of the universe. He says, I'm going to give this to you. I want to see these things start to happen. And when you know that God of the universe is on your side and that He wants these promises for you, man, you start to speak with some conviction in your life because suddenly you realize you're not just saying words that are going out there. You're saying the stuff that God actually wants for your life. And Hannah, she's looking for a way to make the Word work for her, a way that she can ground her desires 
in the promises of God, she has this idea. This is what she says. It says, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And when she said no razor should touch his head, she was actually saying, you know what? I'm going to enter into something that's called the Nazarite vow. You can find this in Numbers chapter 6 and it would be, that would be something that people would do. They would not, no razor would touch their head and there was a whole heap of things that would fit into the Nazarite vow. And people would do that for a defined period of time to separate themselves and consecrate themselves for something that God had for them. And she said, God, if you just give me a son, if I can just fall pregnant, I will give my son completely to you. And the text says, all the days, all the days of his life, you can have him for his whole life. Just give me what I'm asking for. I'll do whatever is necessary. He can be yours, but let me have him. She's trying to find a way to sell her hopes and dreams back to God. Have you ever tried to sell your desires back to God? God, if you help me to win Tats Lotto, I will give 2% to the church. I promise it's good for them. Everyone wins, you know. Come on, God. You know, God... If, if you will work with me and, and help me to find my partner in life, I promise you'll be number one in our life. I just need a good man. I just need a good woman. And if you do, that'll help me. God, if you give me a promotion, I'll make sure that the company has the values that, that, that are biblical. You know, you're trying to sell these ideas to God. You don't need to sell to God what He wants to give to you. You don't need to sell it to Him. Do you know that the Bible says that His promises are... His promises are... And His promises are yes and amen. What does that mean? It means that when God makes a promise to you, the answer is yes. If He says He's going to give it to you, you don't have to fret or worry or get anxious about the fact that He's not going to do it. And what's amen? That's your agreement with what God says. Amen. I stand with you, God. I believe, God, that you have said to me that I am going to possess this promise. So I stand with you. I say amen to all of your promises to me. The promises of God are yes and amen. You've got to remember that waiting is often the first step in the process to fruitfulness. As the story continues, it says that she went praying before the Lord and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. This is hilarious. Have you ever known anybody to go get hammered and go down to the church for a prayer meeting? That's never happened, but Eli thought that that's what she was doing. He says, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. But I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. In the process to fruitfulness, it's easy to become so anxious that God is not listening. Anxious about times, dates, deadlines. 
when you expected to God to come through and when he felt like he was late. It's so easy to feel that. You know what anxiety is? Anxiety is worry that never leaves you. And it's constantly there. And if you're worried about stuff every single day, how can you have a life that's full of abundance? I wonder what's got you worried today. I wonder what are the thoughts that are preaching to you. I wonder what's speaking into your mind today that you have to go to war with every single day because you're anxious about what tomorrow might bring. Did you know in Australia that it says in any 12-month period, 2 million Australians will go through significant anxiety? That's a lot of people that are getting anxious about their future. And this is exactly where Hannah is. But what she doesn't know is that her problem is in process. And so is she. See, God often chooses your development over your desires. Did you hear that this morning, church? That God often chooses your development over your desires. See, the reason why you're not getting what you want is not because you're being punished for some sin or something wrong that you did. But it is why sometimes things are difficult and why you don't understand. God hasn't explained it to you. You can't see how it fits. It's part of the process to fruitfulness is that you can't understand because God's developing something in you. He's not explaining to you the whole thing right now because He wants to see something deeper grow and develop in you. So stop worrying and watching who else is getting blessed in the area that you need breakthrough in because that is simply not going to help you. See, your problems have potential. They have the potential to develop you. And I want you to, last slide, I want you to watch Hannah's development. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. And then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, that is, that they had slept together, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, due time, no one knows what that means. Only God knows what, that's God's timing. And in God's timing, Hannah conceived and bore a son, as she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. It says that her, she was no longer sad. But she was no longer sad. She was happy. And guess what else happened? Her appetite came back. She's happy. She's hungry. She gets up early in the morning and she's worshiping God and she still has no baby. She still isn't pregnant, but she learned to sing and cry out aloud in her barrenness and something shifted, something changed and God saw something. He remembered her. I wonder which part he remembered. I think he remembered her faith in the morning. I think he remembered her worship in the middle of her barrenness. And he said, I'm going to start to bless you in due time. Hannah falls pregnant. She still goes through the process of waiting for nine months. But at the end of it, she has a child. That child's name was Samuel. And Samuel became a prophet to Israel and is one of the most significant people that you will read about in the Bible. She had no idea. 
But Samuel's story was caught up in a much larger story and that she would have to walk through all the stuff that she did to bring her to a place where she'd say, just have, if just have my son, just allow me, just allow me to have this child. And God took her word and God did give her that son, Samuel, who made a difference in Israel's history. I tell you this right now, there are not many guarantees in life, but I'll give you three right now. Number one, you will have to face problems in your life that you don't understand. Number two, you will have to get perspective on those problems. So be careful about where your advice comes from. And number three, you will have to take a position on your problem. And you can take a faithless position, but I promise you this, you accomplish more with faith than you ever will with worry and anxiety. You see, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that your problem is not in process. It doesn't mean that God's never going to answer you. And it doesn't mean that your problems are impossible. I think sometimes we need to refresh ourselves with the God that we serve. The God that we serve gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So I wonder this morning, what looks dead in your life right now? I wonder what doesn't exist, but you've been seeking God for. The restoration of a broken relationship, the salvation of a husband, salvation of your children. I wonder what right now looks dead, doesn't look like it can be brought back to life. I wonder what you're about ready to give up on. Maybe it's your marriage right now and you think, I just don't think that we can do another week. I can't do another day. I wonder if you knew what God knew, if you'd still feel the same way. This morning in this place, I want to give people an opportunity to have the things that they're waiting for begin to shift. Because when Hannah was surrounded by the sons and daughters and confronted continually by the person that was being blessed in the area that she wanted to be blessed in, she didn't go to her husband because she knew he could no longer fix that problem. She didn't go to Penina because she couldn't fix the problem either. Where did you find Hannah? At the altar. She came to the one place to find the one God that could grant her petition and transform her life and call what looked like it was dead back to life and take her from a season of barrenness and transfer her into a season of fruitfulness. Would you stand to your feet this morning, church? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.